You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today, who totally messed it up at the end of the last one, is Valerie Willis. Do not even start. You're about to do it again. Um, <laughs> and our guest today is Greg Cheagle. Woo! This is exciting. Let's talk about what we're drinking. I'm drinking out of my Drinking with Authors swag. Greg, you're going to get some of this from being on the podcast. The swag, not the wine. So I'm finishing up the last of my chair liquor. <laughs> that is not accurate. I get you drunk every time I see you. <laughs> it doesn't. It only takes a cup. <laughs> it's, it's not much. I know. It's the best kind of friends to share your liquor with. The ones that get drunkies. <laughs> okay. So I am drinking today. Um, you know what? I actually totally forgot. This is what happens when you drink in the previous you episode. You're going to like and comment, please, and share and tell the world about us at Drinking with Authors. We're on Spotify, Apple. I don't know what you're listening to this chaos from, but please make sure people know that we are there and that you like us. Hit like or subscribe. <laughs> Thank you for that entire. I don't even know what the fuck that just was, but I'm letting it go just for the I'm trying, record. I'm trying, man. Yeah, you are. It's painful. Oh, Leave us a review. We would love that. Um, our sponsors today is Skunk Brothers Spirits, coupon code DWA10, and you can get their amazingness. So, what I'm drinking is my favorite uh, Riesling. As you can see now, I'm out because I've poured it all in the cup. Um, it's 70% organic. They say this when I purchase this, it's on the pricing tag. I don't understand it, but it's funny. It's called Pacific Rim and it's got a dragon on it. So it's pretty awesome and makes nerd references. Val, what are you drinking? I'm drinking. I'm drinking. Rancho La Gloria, handcrafted, ready to drink margarita wine, cocktail strawberry, 100% de aguava wine. Real lime juice and natural flavors at 13.9% alcohol volume. And I'm almost to the bottom of my mug that says, uh, why am I not in bed? <laughs> we, we understand. Greg, describe what you're drinking because it's ridiculous. Yeah, we so you're ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So I am I am uh, not a, a, a booze drinker, but in honor of, of the spirit of the show, I'm drinking a Cuban soda called Iron Beer which uh, in Cuba would be pronounced Iromber. And it's a, it's a very fruity, nothing organic or natural about it. Um, it's like a fruity cream soda kind of a thing. And uh, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it as a kid and I enjoy it now. That is awesome. I don't drink this because it's 70% organic. I am actually a red wine drinker generally. It's very weird, but I like my white wine to have a little bit of sweetness to it, but not too much. And I managed to find this. I just thought it was funny when I saw it because normally it's labeled organic. It's yeah. not like a percentage of organic. It's just organic. And this literally on the label says 70% organic. So I'm like, is the rest of it like plastic chips or something? Yeah. What is the <laughs> other, what is the other 30%? Yeah. Like, is it, what part of this is not organic? Um, okay. So Greg, this is rapid fire, which 
let's see how well we do with that with the because we're sober and we are not <laughs> well for what it's worth i've listened to several episodes of of the literary briefs and and uh i i can tell you right now i'm going to have trouble narrowing down to one for a lot of these if it's the okay. same questions we'll find out okay it doesn't it's your podcast it doesn't matter what you answer we can stick with one question and just go the whole entire time it's fine no we'll um, go rapid fire yeah my, I'd say rapid fire, like I made that up a long time ago and it's never, except for when there was a guy named Bill Fawcett who was like, what's the next one? And I was like, oh, dear God, what is happening? He was rapid firing questioning then. Yeah, it was bad. It was, it was very great. bad. Okay. It was wonderful. So I what is your- it, So I definitely <laughs> just enjoy that. <laughs> very true. What is your favorite um, book of all time? And then I have a follow-up of what is your favorite comic book of all time? Uh, my favorite, book. my favorite book of all time, uh, for is my standard answer is Alice in Wonderland. Um, I but love also, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, poster you know, in the background. Yeah, you can't yeah. see it, but there's an entire wall of Alice in Wonderland stuff here on this oh, is side. It? Yeah, uh, my boyfriend says it cannot climb out of your office. That's how much of it it is. He's like, it's not allowed to leave your office. Uh, but my other my other favorite book that is maybe going to overtake Alice is The Monster at the End of This Book, uh, which is a golden book starring Grover. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, yes. It's, it's really one of the great books of all time. And it kind of bridges the gap because it's also, in a lot of ways, a comic. It's sequential. There's word balloons or sound effects. Um, so that's that's going to be my that's yeah. going to be my bridge book. The Monster at the okay. End of This Book is is almost perfect. Uh, it's a great read aloud as well. Um, and then her voice, it's great. <laughs> favorite comic book that's tough because there's so many. Um, as a kid, I loved Power Pack, which was a, a superhero team of four siblings. Okay. Um, and then there was a run on Detective Comics written by Mike Barr and drawn by Alan Davis that really stuck with me as a kid. Um, as an adult, there's a comic, there's a graphic novel called Why I Hate Saturn by Kyle Baker. That's incredible. Um, so I'm going to go with those three. And I'm sure there's so much stuff I'm neglecting. But okay. as a ridiculous Alice in Wonderland fan of the original book, um, Disney, fine, you did movies, but they do not really kind of encapsulate the book because Wonderland is a fucking insane place. So what, why do you like Alice in Wonderland? So I read Alice in Wonderland for the first time. It was assigned in school in 10th grade. Um, and I, I'm sure I'd seen the Disney cartoon prior to that. And I, and, but reading the book, I read it in one night. I'd never read a book that quickly. Um, and what struck me about it was a, the complete insanity of it. Uh, and, and the reaction so many people have is like, that book is, that guy was on drugs. That guy was on drugs. But there is also, it reads like a dream. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few things that it was all a dream and it works. Because usually it was all a dream for me ruined something. But with Alice Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz to a certain degree, but Alice Wonderland especially, the way it's written, the scene transitions make no sense. It is so rationally dreamlike that it's it's incredible. The ideas are totally off the wall. The nonsense is lovely like the, the the way it is written the words are lovely to read there's there's a sing-songiness to it and then 
yeah, it just it's it's so out there, but it's still kind of grounded. Like her experiences are real. Like there's something to hold on to as you're reading it, despite everything around it being completely yeah, yeah. insane. Um, so yeah, it just it struck me in a way that I didn't expect. Like I remember going to the teacher the next day. I'm like, I read the whole book last night. This was great. And I think for the next five years, I read it once a year um, just to sort of re-engage that thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's all those things. Very cool. What about um, your least favorite? Book? Yeah. Uh, the one that I think of is a book I tried to read and I, I couldn't, I don't think I got 10 pages where I was just like, this is ill, I can't read this. Um, it's The Naked Lunch. Oh, yes. No, I I tried reading it and I was just like, I feel like somebody wrote a book and then cut up all the pages in thirds and then re-stapled them, like taped them together. And none of it made, speaking of being able to like be grounded in something, I was lost from the first sentence and I just couldn't, it might be great. I don't know. It's not for me. I'll say that. What about a comic book that you're like, nah. That one's harder. Um, I know there are some. And I and those are all blanking out of my brain. Um, I mean, there are some comics that my friends and I used to call them sad diner comics, where it's it's just like, uh, with all due respect to the people that were making them, but they're usually independently published in the 90s. And it was just like a guy complaining about his life and like drawing comics about how sad his life was and pining after somebody. Those got boring fast. Um, I don't know if they're the worst, but they got boring very fast. Uh, and then, and then there's certain comics that people really like that I just can't. I just they don't do anything for me. They like they, they make. See, this is going to get me in trouble because I'm going to name <laughs> writers that people love so much. Trust me, I I am. If anybody has named writers that people quote unquote love so much. And been like, they're fucking. Let me start with my hatred of Jane Austen, and I can just go from there. Okay? All right. So. With apologies to everybody, to, with apologies to everybody who is a fan. Um, I there are very few Grant Morrison comics that don't baffle me after the first half of reading them, and there are some that that I can't I can't get from from jump like three pages in. I don't know what's happening. Um, and then I see people talk about them and how brilliant they are. And it just makes me feel very stupid. And I know I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um, so not your cup of tea. It's just not for me. That's what I, yeah, I've, I've, I've taken in the past five or so years to saying something is not for me as opposed to saying it's bad. No. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's what you don't like. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. There are a billion Jane Austen fans out there. I'm going to say a billion. It's probably upwards of the millions really legitimately. Right. Yeah. But I I do not like him. I do not like Regency romance fucking stories. Like, that's my thing. But I'm not saying it's bad. There are Jane Austen. You, whoever's listening, love what you love. Read what you want to read. There's a fan for everything out there. I say that all the time. Yes. I'm asking Greg what he doesn't like. Yeah, I, I, find, I find metaphysical very difficult to reckon with in comics. Like yeah, I, okay. I just, yeah, that, that, yeah. From wh- whether it was the invisibles back in the nineties to more recent stuff though, the, the, although yeah, invisibles was grant. Yeah. It just, it's not, it's not, it's a different wavelength. 
And some of the stuff I've read starts out really good. And then by like Flex Mentalo and Sea Guy, they start out great. There's so many cool ideas. And then I get lost. I forget what happened. Like I can't follow issue to issue what's going on. Well, that, okay. that brings me to, to my next question is, as a reader, what is your pet peeve? What will turn you off on a book immediately when you see it um, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that? Like for me, I like purple prose and just going on and on about describing the background for too long. I can't. I, I'm more character driven. Yeah. I, I Okay. So this is this has become one of my, my jokes, but it, it, there's something to it. If a book has a map, like if you open it and there's a map, it's already putting me off a little bit because it's telling me like, do your homework before you start reading. And, and I just want to read. That's like, so funny because most <laughs> fantasy books for the record, including Val's fantasy series have maps, mainly well, because when you're describing the world, it's a world you've created. Yes. And people go, wait, where are we? You know what I mean? Like, what I'm is talking about thing? them going south or east and going? Absolutely, I understand. I, I, I mean, look, Winnie the Pooh has a map, and I like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> but there's something about there's something about the map out of the gate that at least it puts me in a state of, am I, do I have to, like, am I going to have to refer to this? Like, it creates a state in my mind of, this isn't going to be easy. Like there's, there's so much world building already before we've even started. I don't even know what this book is about. I just know that there are a lot of different places and I feel like I'm going to have to keep going back and forth to, to keep up with, with, uh, won't have Gandalf to lead you. (laughs) Yeah. Like I read, um, I guess it was two years ago. I read Tristan strong punches a hole in the sky, I think is the title of it. Um, and that had a map and I, I think I was reading it as an ebook. So I couldn't, you couldn't get to the map fast enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to, wherever they say I am, that's where I am. And so be it. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. What do you think they did a book? Uh, oh my gosh. Words. A good, um, they took a book and they did a great TV or mini series, like a movie or mini series. Um, my go-to answer is the wizard of Oz. Cause I find the book, the wizard of Oz to be pretty dull and unfun. And I think the movie is great. Uh, and then uh, Election was a great movie based on a great book. Okay. Uh, and all the Roald Dahl stuff seems to translate really well, except for Tim Burton's Wonka. Don't like that. Really? Yeah. And I like the and I liked Invincible. The the Amazon series based on the comic series Invincible is great. Very cool. Very cool. Um, where where do you think they did a f- just a terrible job. It's something that you love and you go, oh my God, they really should never have done that. That Tim Burton Wonka is not, <laughs> I, I do not like that movie. And I've never seen the Tim Burton Alice because I just don't, you want to go there. Like I just, I'm put off. See, I absolutely love the Tim Burton versions of really? Alice as an Alice fan. I did because, and it's true with the Wonka too. Like I love the original. You can't, it's Gene Wilder. Like you yeah. can't, you know, it's Gene Wilder. The thing I liked about um, the other version is I felt like it made it a little more around Wonka being a little crazy. He's very crazy. Like that character and not in a cute, cozy kind of, like he is scary nuts. And I felt like Tim Burton 
encompasses nuts a little bit better than the Gene Wilder version of it. With the Alice in Wonderland, as one of those people that <coughs> can look at the Disney thing and go, well, that's cute. He did the crazy part, like where it's a little more nuts and it's a little less pleasant. And the like off with your head is not like this cute little thing. Like the Queen of Hearts is an unpleasant person to be around. I mean, I do, I do love the Disney Alice. I will say I'm on the, I'm on the side of loving that, that version. Um, I think my, the, I hear what you're saying about Tim Burton's Wonka versus the the, the Gene Wilder one. I think Wilder's Wonka has a manicness to him. It's a calm manic. There's, there's menace to him. Whereas I felt like Johnny Depp's Wonka was just, just on the, just like creepy, uncomfortable, like not, manic weird crazy but just creepy canon like, this guy's fucked up <laughs> you know what i mean like don't you don't want your kids anywhere near this guy true whereas gene wilder there's this illusion of like oh this guy's playful and fun and one by one these kids are dropping out and he does not care <laughs> no like gene wilder's wonka does not he is so flippant about these kids just dropping out and it's there's something delightful about that. And I think the, the Oompa Loompas are more fun in the first movie. Uh, I, I, yeah. I didn't I didn't appreciate the like the deep Roy replicant Oompa Loompa thing. That I can understand. I just I don't know. I, I, I it's not like I have a, a favor between the two, but I could appreciate the Johnny Depp version. I will say his Mad Hatter was much more to me on point than the other Mad Hatters. Okay. Because his Mad Hatter, the thing that they brought up was the why they're stuck at the tea party, which I don't think a lot of people understood the vicious like loop that they're in and why they're in. Because he, he brings that up in the looking glass one, right? And it explains why these guys are all completely, literally crazy at this point in time, you know, because they're reliving the same day over and over again. I think that might be, that might be an inherent difference is I've never questioned why they were, it was just, I accept the reality of the world as it's presented to me. And I never wondered why are they at this tea party? It's like, they're at a tea party in the same way that like, if you tell me Superman's weakness is kryptonite, I'm going to say, okay, thank you. You know, it's just whatever the, as you present the world to me, especially if it's a fictional fantasy world, those are the rules. And I'm not going, I'm going to try not to apply earthbound logic and rules to it. I'm going to say, you tell me what the rules are. They do tea and they're nuts. You got it. The mouse is in sure. the teapot. Sure, sure you're thing. our favorite kind of reader. <laughs> so I, I've yeah. seen science fiction writers. I feel for, because I don't know how they do it because everyone wants to talk quantum physics. And, and it's like, why can't you just accept that this is an alienation where things are going crazy and none of it makes any science, human science sense because it doesn't have to. I think that's why I don't particularly love deep fantasy or hard fantasy or hard science fiction because it gets so explainy. And I, I like fairy tales and mythology and sort of simple. And then you can graft your own stuff onto it, right? Like you could take away from it. You could, you could find your own way in it as opposed to, just the the yeah, I think world building, I appreciate it, but sometimes it can get very heavy and leaden, and I 
like the the Lord of the Rings stuff. I it ain't for me. Oh wow. <laughs> Wow. Now, now you're gonna piss off everybody. I know, I know. It's it's I, I can't believe I said that out loud. <laughs> I can't believe you did either. Like we're gonna have to just disown you now. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. You you mentioned fairy tales and mythology. So what's your favorite fairy tale and what's your favorite mythology? Um, I as a kid, I when I found Norse mythology, I was all about it. There's um there's a book, Dollier's book of Norse myths. I used to get that from the library many times multiple times and was kind of obsessed with it um favorite fairy tale that one's tougher i do like red riding hood though like that's the one that popped into my head what's that which one little red riding hood with the wolf okay yeah Um, no i know that but i mean which version of the story oh just like the just the story just the the story in general like the the you know girl through the woods shortcut wolf whether it's whether it's in um, you know a cartoon rendition or the actual original writing one or how it was done in Into the Woods, like there's something, the beats of it I like. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with that one. I'm sure okay. I'll think of another one as soon as we stop recording and go. Oh, but Hansel and Gretel. Everybody always does. I had I had a couple authors who email me and go. But I thought of this thing and I'm like, thank you. What the hell am I going to do with that? It's not like I'm going to record a blurb that said, hey, Greg sent me an email and said this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. What um, fantastical or mythical creature would you be? Would I be? Like, if you could be anyone, what would you be? I had somebody on the last podcast say a centaur. And I was like, so you can't get any doors? Like, that is a very impractical creature. But anyway, moving <laughs> Leave I mean, him is, alone. He could be a centaur if he wants. People could oh, write. Shut up, Val. Nobody's interested a, in your opinion. Would, would a Jedi count? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, I would do that. Okay. I'm, nice. I'm on board with Jedis. Why? Well, I'm why? on board with the other side, not really the Jedis, but yeah. Oh, um, more just a, a, somebody who could use the force. Basically. I would use force choke and force push so much. I would have dark side points out the fucking ass. Like that would just happen. There are so many people in this world that need to be force choked that my dark side points would accumulate through the fucking roof. That's what would happen. Have it because I think I would have been a victim of this abuse. She would have been a victim of force choke and force push at many occasions. I just like as I remember as a kid, just like recreating the the scene on Hoth where he's reaching for the lightsaber and it flies to his hand i think the telekinesis is the thing that is most appealing to me i think the mind reading would be tricky i think the suggestive stuff would be problematic um but just being able to move stuff with your mind and, and wheel the lightsaber and they could fly now, around you, and you're stuff. gonna end up on the dark side with this force choke thing if that's a possibility and somebody teaches you how to do it You'll be around humans and you'll be like force choke. That'll be it. And then all of a sudden eyes turn red and you're in the dark side. That's it, how it, that, goes. that those are the risks we take. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Okay. What about um your favorite weird food combination? All right. So I've heard this co- question before and I've given this quite a bit of thought. Oh, I love that we are setting you up for one you've given quite a bit of thought to. Go for it. So a little bit of backstory for many years. I had a, I invented a holiday called All Hallows Giving. And it, it is the Saturday between Halloween and Thanksgiving. And I call it a feast of frightening food. Oh, I love this idea. This is a great concept. Thank you. 
So for this holiday, for many years, I would create a menu that was oftentimes mashups of different types of cuisines, or I would reinterpret a Thanksgiving dinner through Mexican food or Jewish food or Chinese food or what have you. So I'd season the turkey a certain way or prepare uh, instead of mashed potatoes, I did mashed matzo balls, that sort of thing. Um, so over the course of the years of doing these, I've, I've done some combinations. I'm going to run some of those by you. I don't know which of these is my favorite, but I'm going to throw them all at the Oh, I can't. This is riveting. Awesome. We haven't had this before. Go for okay. it. Somebody did homework. I like so, it. So I once took uh, I once took a recipe for cornbread and instead of sugar, I melted down candy corn. I made candy cornbread. This sounds brilliant. I'm a huge fan of candy corn. I shouldn't be, but I'm a ridiculous, especially candy pumpkins. Those the are candy good. pumpkins. Oh, I love those. Anyway, yeah. continue on. I'm um, loving this so far. It ended up tasting quite a bit like cornbread. Because candy okay. corn is just sugar. Yeah. Um, I I made a mac and cheese once that I called Popeye mac and cheese because it had macaroni and cheese with spinach, olive oil, sweet peas, and a little bit of kelp. Wow. <laughs> and that one. Was I don't know how I feel about that, but Continue on. I enjoy the name and what you did. I don't know that I put it in my face, but continue on. Um, during the pandemic, I couldn't have people over. So I did a virtual one where everybody, the plan was go to two different restaurants and mash foods together. So for that one, I did a, a Chinese scallion pancake with cream cheese and lox on it. And I also took a Taco Bell taco, hard shell taco, and I put uh, Thai papaya salad in it. I like both of these. Both of these I'm on board with. I'm uh, a huge fan of sour cream. So anything that involves sour cream, I'll at least try it. Okay. I like this. Okay, continue. Um, I invented a cookie called the fish and chips cookie, which is a chocolate chip cookie with chopped up Swedish fish in it. Oh, I got scared for a hot minute there. <laughs> she thought you were going to put fish and french yeah. fries in the cookie and then that she was going to lose it. Yeah. I was going to lose it. And then I like this. And then the last one I have for you is um, despite being a grown man in his 40s, I often add Nesquik powder to cereal um, and chocolate milk powder in Raisin Bran is better than you think it is. Interesting. It's good in Cheerios because the milk becomes chocolate and it's chocolate Cheerios, but Raisin Bran is the closest I've gotten to this idea I think somebody should be producing, which is Raisinette brand. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what, that's exactly, because that <clears throat> brand soaks up the liquid so much better than any other cereal does. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I'm like, man, that probably tastes like Raisinette. It's good. Exactly it's good. That's okay. Valerie's going to try this. I can already tell. She's going to try that one. I yeah. love all of these. It'll be a TikTok. These are good weird food combinations. Thank you. I, I when I heard the question in past episodes, I go, well, I definitely have answers to this one. <laughs> He's like, I've got them. Let me just, got yeah. I got it. This is my wheelhouse. Okay, so here's a weird food thing. I didn't bring it up, but I, I when I got back, so I went to Iceland, and I'm actually sending this to my son-in-law. So I don't know if you guys know this, but in Iceland, they don't eat chips or like popcorn when they're watching movies. Their, their, their thing of choice is dried fish. Is that lutefisk? Yeah. I've heard about lutefisk. 
It's dried fish. This is what they eat. Different flavors of dried fish is their like snack. And so this isn't like you have to go find it. It's everywhere. Like you go into a convenience store, you have all the chips and stuff, <coughs> many weird flavors of chip, by the way. But then you have an entire rack of these in different sizes and different flavors. And do you have a favorite so far? No, I'm not trying it. I'm not a fan of dried fish. <laughs> no, I bought this specifically and I put a little note on it for my son-in-law. I'm sending it to him. Um, this is what it is because he likes that sort of thing. But no, I, ew, 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 no, ew. But I did have the best fish and chips I've ever had in my life from a little stand there that literally said fish and chips. And that is all they served. Just fish and chips. You can get oh, different yeah. sauces on the side, but that's it. You can't change anything. It's one size. It comes in a box of fish and chips. Done and done. So, yes. Done and done. Val, what's your next question, Drunky McDrunkerson? I can tell with your face all being red. I know my face is all red. I'm like, I, I put the cup way far away. I'm like, no more of you because I'm going to need to go to bed after this. <laughs> um, you have to ask a question, weirdo. Uh, ask a question. What is Who is your favorite comic book artist? Um, there's a few. So early on, the first comic book artist whose work I recognized across different titles was a guy named Alan Davis. And for a long time, I wanted to draw like him. Um, John Buscema is probably at the top of the list. He's, he's basically the person who wrote how to draw comics to Marvel way. It says by Stan Lee, but Stan Lee never drew a comic ever. Um, yes. And there's plenty of documentaries where he makes this very clear i yeah. even saw like a behind the scenes with him and jim lee he goes i don't draw this i just sign it and he, he pats jim lee on the shoulder he goes thank you for drawing yeah so john buscema used to do these workshops of how to draw comics from marvel and they turned it into this book um so that stuff for sure is is a my, how i construct figures sort of started there um and then there was a guy named mike waringo who drew flash and robin um He's up there. And then more recently, an artist named Carlos Pacheco and okay. uh, the guy who drew Invincible for most of its run, Ryan Otley. Like his stuff, just watching him become better and better. And he, he, I know him and he's my age and seeing how he draws makes me go, my God, what did, what did I do wrong? Like we're <laughs> the same age. I don't understand. I, I've been drawing all the time too. Like it, it's really, I guess humbling might be the word. Yeah. Wow. What about um? Is there anybody that people ask you to draw? That you're like, no. <laughs> I don't like drawing transformers. <coughs> so oh. I don't love drawing mechanical stuff, buildings, cars, those, and like a transformer is a car building, like it's a, it's a or it's a gun a, or stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, mechanical stuff is less fun. I'd rather draw animals and trees and people. Um. And like made up worlds where I don't have to, I mean, perspective is perspective. It, it exists, but you know, the, the, yeah, simplified shapes are, are more, they're just more fun to they're, draw they're too. Funner. They're more free flowy. They are funner. Funner. Not a word. Um, I, I know. Disney Wait, Kyle Baker is another great cartoonist. I got to mention him. He's oh. Kyle Baker's amazing. Uh, so I knew a Disney animator and he said his favorite, like when it came to realistic figure drawing, his favorite were fat people. He says, man, you can just, 
<laughs> just something about just being able to make a bunch of circles and layer them and have fun with them. And I'm like, there's, I'll tell you, there's something to drawing heavy people that I don't think a lot of people get is that like, there is a skeleton underneath that. Like there's yeah. a way that weight lives on a body that I think people just draw round bodies and that's not, that's not how it works. Mm -mm. Um, but again, that's me getting into the weeds of figure construction and yeah. Yes. This podcast will now turn into figure constructed by comic book artists. So I have, I have a question. What is the weirdest animal you've put in the animal, the zoo books? Like what is, because, you know, you ask people, and I don't know if you've done this, like if you could be any animal, what would you be? And I have friends that have said some of the weirdest shit. And I'm like, no, why would anyone want? They're not like, I'd be a tiger, a fox. They're like, I'd be a pufferfish. Like what, you know, Val um, picked a ridiculous one. I forget what the hell she picked, but it was some sort of reptile. And it was dumb as crap. Like, <laughs> do we even remember? The, the weirdest animal I've turned into a superhero is a platypus. Oh. Um, and and my platypus is my, is my magical, my magic character. So, you know, my, my Dr. Strange, Dr. Fate, Zatanna character. Um, and it was, it was between that, a giraffe and a flamingo. Cause I was like, all right, what's a, what's a funky looking animal? Like what's an animal that just has a physicality that's odd. Um, the flamingo ended up becoming a different character called the flaming ghost, which is sort of a, a ghost ridery kind of a, so, and I just, the second that I realized flamingo and flaming ghost how many bike weeks we have in Florida, that it was the perfect choice. <laughs> yeah. But when, once I, I realized like flamingo and flaming ghost sort of were like laid on top of each other pretty good. I was like, all right, that that's a go. Um, so yeah, platypus is the, is like the weirdest animal and it, it really is the weirdest animal. I think that, yeah, that's why I asked if it was poisonous. A lot of people don't know how poisonous a platypus bite is. Is it? It is literally yeah. the yeah. most painful bite from any animal you can get. Like I apparently, if you get bit and the toxin, it's very much like a, a, a what's it called, a komodo dragon, hmm. where it's okay. a toxin that they have in their saliva. Huh. But apparently, you can't by you have to just let it go. You can't give a person enough morphine without killing them to get rid of the pain now keep in mind these cute little creatures do not go around biting a huge amount of people they have this little like hook thing right but if you do get bitten by one they are one of the most painful bites in the entire animal kingdom you have that for future episodes of your I, comics that if it ever news, comes yeah. up that's, uh you yeah could, you, you could have a spell that's like the bite and it's just a, a very dangerous hey. well it's like people don't realize how vicious and dangerous a hippopotamus can be Oh, oh. <laughs> so my my kid came upstairs last night and he goes who would win in a fight a polar bear or a hippo and we're like hippo and then and then my mother-in-law's like no 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 wait is it in the water or out of the water i'm like i don't care it's gonna be the hippo i'm like i don't think you guys realize how much bigger a hippo is compared to a polar bear or the fact that the hippo has already has a reputation of being one of the most dangerous animals in Egypt and other areas in Africa, as well as snapping 15 foot crocodiles in half just because they were angry that day. There, there was a show in the early 2000s, either on Animal Planet or the Learning Channel. I can't remember, but the whole show was animals in battle and they do like yes. 
Do you remember this show? Yes, and they enge- like would engineer. They do like they- a CG a CG version of these animals in battle, but like the first half of the show would be like comparing their bite strength and their jaw construction and their their habitat. I remember one was polar bear versus walrus, and I if I remember correctly, walrus won. Yeah, because walrus pulls the polar bear down and then it's just like has has the upper hand, even though a polar bear can be underwater like walrus is much stronger. Those tusks are out of control. Yeah. That was a great show. Yeah, no. And for anybody listening right now, YouTube, there is a YouTube video that sums it all up, which is a little baby hippopotamus walking around a bunch of Nile crocodiles. The mom is not like right next to it. It's just close enough. And the crocodiles are all like, don't move. Don't move. Don't let them see us move. Like you would think the croc, I mean, they could grab this baby and go in the water and that would be it. It's a tiny little hippo. But these crocodiles are like, nope, not going to touch it. Crocodiles are badass. Like crocodiles and alligators are no joke. Yeah, no. I I think one of my other favorite videos is not realizing how the giant river otters in the Amazon are so aggressive because there's a there's footage that they got National Geographic of two leopards uh, seeing them coming down the river and hauling ass. They were like, nope, not fucking with otters. It's like, holy crap. Yeah, dolphins oh. also, like a, a standard yeah. porpoise. Those are those are no joke. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people don't realize how dangerous certain animals that seem harmless are yeah. to, to things. And, um, you know. I mean, wild it, animals are wild animals. We should all just leave them alone. Yeah. Well, I, I had a video, I think it was last night that um, I saw of uh, an alligator running. Like people don't realize alligators can beat a horse at a quarter mile. Yeah, like but most videos show them just kind of like walking along super slow as if they have nowhere to be. So this video shows an alligator and it's one in captivity running after somebody that's in the, the you know, like a zookeeper. And it gets up and it's literally like a five second video. It's not very long, but it gets up and it's running at him. And I showed it to my boyfriend who was like, oh, my God, what is that? I said, not kidding. This is why they say run zigzag run because they they run this fast. I I grew up in Miami and we used to take field trips to the Everglades. Uh, I'm sorry for you. Was it a collateral damage that as long as 75 percent of you came back? Okay, it was fine. Well. What was interesting, I, I have a very clear memory in junior high school of being in the Everglades and seeing an alligator get up and walk slowly, but it's still huge. Like yeah. once they get up on all fours, it's like three feet up off the ground. This is just, it's a dinosaur just walking across the path. It's, they're, those things are awesome. Again, from afar, you don't want to dance with no, them, but. No, I agree completely. They're, okay. they're, not like, they're not like the alligators in Fantasia dancing with the hippopotamuses. That combo seems dangerous. Just like, let's not have them team up. I'm I'm good with them not teaming up for things. What about for uh, beautiful ballet? Yeah, no, hard pass on all of that. Don't try to get them in the tutus. They're not going to be on board. Okay, Val, what? you get the final question. Don't fuck it up. Question? Oh, man. We talked about so many cool things. Um, when was a time that you got to be on a panel or sit next to or be at a convention next to... Like, what was an epic, like, you geeked out as a fan moment? Oh, I've got one. Okay. So, I love Jules Pfeiffer. 
Um, Jules Pfeiffer is is a he's a cart a cartoonist, a playwright, a screenwriter, uh, just an incredible creative force. Um, and I became a fan of Jules Pfeiffer in the late '90s and just started consuming everything I could of his. And sometime in the 2010s, he was doing a talk at Columbia University. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see Jules Pfeiffer do this talk. And I'd read his autobiography. Or he, he, was, he was talking about his autobiography. I hadn't read it yet. So I go up to Columbia University. I'd never been in that area of, of the city before. And I was completely lost. I didn't know where this building was. I'm wandering this campus. And as I turn a corner, I see Jules Pfeiffer is talking, is looking at the map. And he's talking to a security guard trying to figure out where he's supposed to go. And I say, I think I'm going where you're going. And he says, where are you going? I'm going to see you. So he and I walked together through the campus to get to the room where he was doing his talk. And that was the best because I got to just, it was one-on-one -on -one time, me and Jules Pfeiffer walking. I got to ask him every question I had about the books of his I'd read and, and loved. Um, and at one point I asked him, he had written a book called The Man in the Ceiling, uh, which is great. His two uh, middle grade novels, Man in the Ceiling and uh, Bear of Lass, A Veil of Tears, are sort of the inspiration for my hybrid format. There's a lot of illustration and the illustration feeds into the text. And in one of the books, a character leaves and literally is walking off the page. But anyway, um, I asked him about how he got these books published, like in whatever year it was. Like, how do you get a, anybody to pay attention to this format you were doing? He says, well, my friend, my friend Maurice Sendak talked to his agent. And I go, well, that's cheating. Like if, if, if that's your pal, if like, oh, my friend Maurice Sendak, okay, forget it. Like, I appreciate the answer, but this doesn't help me at all. I'm not friends with Maurice Sendak. <laughs> but that was, that was, that experience was, was truly lovely. Um, and, and he is somebody that is just so, such a, and he's still working. He's like 92, I think at this point, he's still working. Amazing. Well, I think that's good. I mean, I, the fact is, is as you get older, you can have, I want to retire, but you have to have something you're doing because if you don't have something you're doing, you're going to die very quickly. Yeah. You well, just stop. I, I met E.L. Konigsberg once. I went to a signing she was doing. Um, she wrote uh, mixed up files of Basil Frankenweiler and a book called The View from Saturday, which I loved. And I got to ask, did I ask her or somebody? Either way, I got to meet her and she was very nice. And she said her favorite book was Secret, Gar Secret Garden, which I still have uh -huh. never read. Good one. Oh, it's a good one. It's I that's one of mine. Like I'm a I'm a big fan of the older literature and classics. So like Alice in Wonderland, I have Winnie the Pooh and Wizard of Oz. Peter uh, Pan is great. Peter Pan's so much darker than what people realize. It's heavy. That book is heavy. Um, but Secret Garden's the same way. It was is it? it was like Chronicles of Narnia was a favorite. And then I went to Secret Garden and then I learned that there was dark fan like it has a dark fantasy vibe without a fanta total fantastic fantasy right. aspect. So it was strange experiencing Chronicles of Narnia and then going into Secret Garden because I was like, holy crap, like this is a story that could possibly happen in our world. And it is so dark and turning and and like it, you you're not sure what it's happening. Like you're just on a journey as much. I, gotta, like I have to revisit that one. So you you definitely would probably appreciate it quite a bit. Yeah. 
what's the rest of your story, Greg, that um, Valerie so rudely interrupted? No, no there was that was it. I just I met E.L. Koenigsberg and she was very nice and recommended the secret garden. That was OK. Well, I wasn't was, sure because Valerie tends to tell all of her own stories. Tell, tell and, all the stories. I have so many stories. Sure. I know you do. We're storytellers. It's what we do. Yes, it's very true. Don't feed that, Greg. Don't, Don't feed, feed that. that. <laughs> okay, Greg, shameless self-promotion time, please. Uh, find me on the internet. My name, Greg, G-R-E-G-G, last name, Shegel, S-C-H-I-G-I-E-L. That name will take you to my website, which is myname.com. That's my name on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I don't really use Facebook very much. Um, that's a That's a mess over there. Uh, and then on Amazon, if you search my name or just the word superhero, my superhero universe books will pop up and there's four so far and a coloring book. Uh, my picks graphic novels are at the website I just mentioned, gregshegel.com. And I've got a YouTube channel where I do a bunch of drawing and talk about the drawing. And I have podcasts I've done, uh, one called stuff said about comics. And this, I haven't even mentioned this. This is exclusive to the literary briefs. I do a podcast with another cartoonist, a guy named Chris Giruso, um, called Cruising Together. And we have watched and discussed every movie Tom Cruise has ever acted in. And it is absurd. I, I have no... <laughs> it's, it's the silliest thing in the world. And we, uh, we've seen every movie. And it's very stupid. Oh, very cool. I enjoy... But that's the hilarity of these things. I enjoy that. Thank you yeah. so much for being on the podcast. Thank yes. you for having me. This has been a delight. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Well, guys, you've been listening to Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs Edition. And my cough's going to come at the last moment. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Don't forget, you're listening right now. Like and subscribe because you're here. You're already doing it. You might be watching us. Absolutely hit the subscribe button. Plus, now's the time you've been drinking along with us. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. We want to hear it. We want to hear how wonderful we all are. And that mainly Val needs it to boost her ego. Just kidding. Um, my amazing co-host, who's now drunk again, and I love the color of her pink face. Hey, hey look, listen. I didn't eat one snack this time around. I want that to go on record. It's now on record as, so there's my host, Val Willis, that literally can't even control herself at the last moment. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. <laughs> Well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink. With a drink. Um, but first, let's talk nerdy. Clink. <laughs> on the ESO Network. We'll see you on Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. Maybe. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.